Hello and welcome to the Start Life. I hope that you're all enjoying the Winter Olympics. It's certainly been filled with some pretty incredible performances. Uh, makes me kind of want to get out in the snow, but out in the desert here, it's I mean it's it's not exactly snowy here, but winter has definitely hit us in Las Vegas this week with with really strong winds at the weekend and fairly chilly temperatures this week. But before the big winds hit on Sunday, I was able to get out and ride the infamous cowboy trails here in Las Vegas for the first time. And it's funny because I just had such an opinion about them before and I had never ridden anything up there. And I've got to admit, I had a blast. I did walk a lot on the descent, but that's fine. Um... Something our friend uh, Merrick Goltz said recently when we were out at Bakersfield that really resonated strongly with Jake and I was you can't get faster if you're injured. And that's definitely, I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's such a, an important thing to remember, especially when, you know, going out and, and trying to challenge yourself on new technical terrain. Um, there's definitely a lot of egging on in the in the mountain bike community, which is really great, but you also have to just stay true to your own limits. And whether that's just limits of um, your skills or experience or, or even your bike, um, you know, it's although, you know, a lot of these guys who who are riding downhill now, they've been riding those trails now for, for well over a decade. And, you know, like... Um, that's not that long ago, but they were still riding a lot of these trails on hardtails. So, you know, you can have the excuse, I guess, about not having the right bike, but um, some of these gnarly guys out there, they've been riding it on, on hardtails and, and not exactly the the nice cushy bikes that they have these days to to really absorb a lot of those the, that impact. But regardless, riding cowboy reminded me of two things. One you really can't have an opinion until you've experienced whatever it is you have an opinion on. Um, and that's something that, oh my word, um, in social media and everything these days, you know, everyone's got an opinion, but how many people are actually living it, you know? So I guess that's a poignant point to make um, that starts with biking, but kind of can translate into your everyday life. And two... I'm not really sure how to articulate the second, but I guess like after everyone raving about how awesome the de- descent was and me thinking about how, how much everyone raves about it as I'm walking slash stumbling down the steep loose sections, I reminded myself that this is their experience, that, you know, that was their experience and that's okay. Because um, initially it was really easy to get disheartened, you know, because I'd had a such a good climb up like managing to to clear a lot of stuff that you know a year ago I wouldn't have been able to clear and um I was so pumped up and then you know getting to the top and then starting that descent and then having to get off and walk a bunch initially was quite disheartening but instead I tried to look at the different sections and you know and just figure out where I could come back to and practice or or maybe even just accept that that trail is just not really within my riding style and that's fine that's okay. Um, you know, I don't think that many of the same downhill riders that you find out there would get super stoked about doing 
multiple laps or hill climb efforts um, and not because they're any less or more of riders just only because it's just not their jam and that's kind of what makes us such a great community we've got such a diverse range of riders of experience of drive of stoke just to which really helps to round out our our pretty awesome mountain bike community um and that's just i'm just talking about here in las vegas and i'm sure that you find that like throughout the country as well so i definitely like to hear um from some other people about you know what what does their mountain bike community look like um or even their biking community um you know what is their biking community is it mostly roads mostly mountain bike is there a disconnect between the two and um because i do feel there is a bit of a disconnect here in vegas between the road community and the mountain bike community and and i think it's a little bit sad because like we're all at the end of the day we're all on two wheels um I think one person that's really helped to bring tie that together would be uh, Pat Trichel, who has really um, pioneered or been been the forefront of our uh, no more ghost bikes movement, which really is um, you know pulling in all of the cycling community to to put our foot down against um, cycling accidents on the road uh, with cyclists versus cars. So um, we. We did kind of touch on this a little bit in the interview, but I do think it's a bigger discussion that maybe we could have with a panel at a later date. So definitely food for thought. Anyway, uh, we've got lots going on here with um, This Start Life shenanigans. We're two clinics into our four-part series um, at Las Vegas Cyclery with our next clinic, Under Pressure. Oh, sorry. (laughs) A little bit of a music geek. I'm a huge Queen fan, but I just had to put that in there. Anyway, our next clinic, which is called Under Pressure, uh, we'll be discussing pressure in your tires and suspension uh, with Zubby from Las Vegas Cyclery. So if you want to come and learn about that, that join us um, next Thursday, the 1st of March at 5.30pm at Las Vegas Cyclery on Town Centre in the 215. Um, also... Uh, our This Start Life retreat is gaining some momentum, which I'm way stoked about and super excited. We've got all the custom yoga mats ordered this week. So if you're signing up for the retreat, you are going to be receiving your own yoga mat, um, which I'm way excited about. Also got some other cool products being organized and designed and sent in from various sponsors. So um, if you are interested in joining us for the Women's Outdoor Retreat this April, go to our website, which is fueltalk.co. And if you navigate over to the events drop down and click on the Start Life Retreat, you'll find all the information and schedule um, there. So it's April 6th to the 8th, and we've got, I think, 15, 15 spots left at the moment. So well, let's try and get those filled up and, and make it. Um, it's going to be awesome regardless of how many people is there, but I would love to have a lovely full clinic out there. So anyway, this week's podcast is long overdue. Um, I caught up with Sarai Snyder, founder of Cyclofam and Girl Bike Love, which has now evolved into Brazenly. Um, Sarai is a writer, artist and activist living in Boulder, Colorado and her passion is inspiring women around the world through transformative outdoor experiences to live a healthier, happier and more empowered life. 
Um, Soraya is such a, an interesting woman and has already done so much for women cycling, but you know she continues to grow and evolve as the needs of our community also grows and develops. Um, Soraya is kind-hearted, creative, and definitely not afraid of adventure. Um, I... Again, a couple other things throughout the, the the interview that I definitely want to try and um, try and kind of follow up on, um, or maybe even try myself this year. So, so have a little listen, and I'm excited to hear what what you think about it. Um, and I'm also just really excited to see how her new projects unfold. So, without further ado, please welcome to this start life, Sarai Snyder. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm sorry it's taken so long. I feel like to to get on this call. <laughs> oh, that's okay. It's, uh, it's what happens when we're busy little bees. Right? I know. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just get straight into it, I think, because I think otherwise we're going to cover or double cover topics, I feel like. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yep. So, Soraya, I met you at the uh, Specialized Ambassador Summit last July. And where were you at that time? Because you were still kind of roaming around. Is that right? I, yeah, living in Boulder. Yes. Yes. Uh, I took a, I took a little time this summer to uh, move out of my apartment and attempt camping for the summer. That, that didn't go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us why. why. Why did that not go as planned? Well, I was still working at the time. Um, and uh, it just, it was a little complicated to get back and forth from camp to work and, you know, do all of the things that I needed to do. And, um, and then, you know, of course, how things go, I had this wonderful man come into my life and he distracted me from my yeah. goal of camping all the time. That happens. That happens to the best of us. <laughs> it, it does happen. I'm, I'm glad. I'm grateful. So I'll, I'll just say that. So what were you doing? Um, what, I mean, what was your full-time op- occupation at the time? What were you working as? At the time, I was uh, I was just working as a consultant for, um, for a builder trying to help him uh, with his business development and um, some marketing and that sort of that sort of thing mm-hmm. cool so yeah that's yeah you still got to like kind of make sure you're presentable I'm sure and and things like that I was actually just talking to a gal last week who's she's been living I mean she's been living in her camper just for like the last few months and um you know so we were just talking about the logistics of you know she plans her workouts like you know, so that she's at the gym so she can shower before going to work and such, like, you know? So, you yeah, know, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, so it's, it's like one of those things I feel like that it's nice. It's such a cool thing to be able to do, but logistically, you know, it, it takes a lot of planning and a lot of effort. I think that, I think it, it does take a lot of planning, but I think more than that, it takes commitment up front. So, you have to have that commitment for the first couple of weeks or the first month that this is absolutely what you're going to do. Yeah. And then if you can get through those couple of weeks, you will have figured things out and it's, you know, you can, you can smooth out the edges and it's not so bad, but right. it, it's, um, you know, 
I, I, my plan was to uh, camp for the summer and, and uh, work on writing a book. And, and that was complicated too. You know, you, you don't have, you don't have as much um, light and power mm. and all of these other things that I, you know, I didn't even think about, at, well, I thought about them, but not, not to, I didn't realize how um, much harder it would be to, to actually right. sit down at the computer and work outside. Right. So was it more just to find like a, yourself like a creative environment? Was that what you were trying to harness or what was the motivation to, to kind of solely be camping? Well, I think, um, I feel like I've gone through this um, a couple of times in my life where I feel like I'm in a rut or I'm in a place where something um, has to change, where I need um, something to, to motivate me to, to make different decisions or something like that. And, um, you know, sometimes those things come along without request, but and sometimes they're, you know, sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're good things that happen. Yeah. But um, we have to have those, those little jolts. And I, I was, uh, I felt like I needed to give myself a jolt. Um, yeah. To, to kind of uh, jump into what I wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I didn't give you a, a really great introduction. So Sarai Snyder, you're the founder of Cyclofem, and now brazenly which has evolved from girl bike love well girl bike love actually came first i started girl bike love i think in 2009 maybe okay um and uh, that was kind of the foundation for building cyclofem mm -hmm. and cyclofem is um such a such a joy to be a part of and i felt like it that it was time for girl bike love to grow up a little bit yeah, so, so talk to us. Um, let's go first into Cyclofem because I really love the message of Cyclofem and it seems to be very easily accessible. And I don't know if that's your, um, that was the goal initially, but how did you, how did you come up with it and how did you go about implementing it? Um, Cyclofem started because I had been in the bike industry and in the bike world for several years and I, I just saw this really, um, I saw that women were starting to ask more, um, ask for more as as uh, riders, you know, more gear, better gear, different bikes. Mm -hmm. um, as racers, as participants, they they wanted you know more events to participate in. They wanted to have equal prize money, you know, all of the things and equal media coverage, all of that. But also. Um, when women wanted to be treated fairly when they walked into a bicycle shop. Mm -hmm. And um, while all those things are so, so important, it felt like we had such a big mountain to deal with that we we kind of, um, women, I think, in cycling as a whole for a little while just sounded really demanding and mm -hmm. um, like we were requesting a lot and we were asking other people to make these changes for us. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt like we were getting away from the really, really important aspect of the bicycle and what it, what it has meant to women throughout history. Since the bicycle started, since the inception of the bicycle, it's been a, a, an incredible tool for empowering women. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, uh, 
it still is all over the world. You know, the bicycle creates access, uh, safety in some situations. Um, it, it's, you know, education, it's access to all kinds of different things. So I felt like we just needed to take a moment and celebrate. And so that's what Cyclothon is. It's a, it's a celebration of women, but as the bicycle as our tool. I love that. And, and even at the, like the heart of it, the mantra of it to honor the past, celebrate the present and empower the future. And I think, I think that is, as you say, it's important to remember, it's not just like a new fad thing. Like, you know, it's, it's been around for generations upon generations, you know, like, um, you know, it's been an important part of our history. So kind of like harnessing that and, and kind of letting people know that, that that's the case and we're not just coming out of nowhere. It's, it's, a, it's a growing movement, I guess. You know, one of the, the things that we say about Cyclofem is that it's, um, it's a celebration and everyone's welcome to join regardless of age, uh, race, gender, or bicycle preference. Right. So having worked in the bicycle industry uh, for a long time as well, Obviously, there's like a, a feeling of, you know, there there seems to be still, still a disconnect between men and women or on both sides, on men and women's sides between the different bicycle preference, you know, like road bike versus triathlon bike versus mountain bike. Do you think that difference between the bicycle preference is this is, do you think there's the same the same discrepancy between men and women or do you feel like it's kind of fed off of off of that pre-existing feeling that seems to be in the men's in the men's field or is that just something that I am neurotically you mean as far as um, <laughs> like you mean as far as like the road bike versus the mountain bike yeah just what I think like I don't feel sometimes that we have like a great when it comes to bicycle community um there seems to still be a bit of a disconnect, you know, between mm-hmm. like, you know, your roadies versus like your mountain bike crew or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I feel like it's actually it's really interesting because I feel that um, without necessarily recognizing it, I feel like a lot of companies within the cycling industry have kind of perpetuated this ego mm-hmm. that goes along with um, and this like elitism that goes along with, with, uh, riding a bike and, and because of that elitism, they, they kind of require people to, um, choose an allegiance. Mm. And, um, by, by doing that, they kind of, um, segregate the community. And I mean, that's just my, my personal, you know, opinion of that, but I, I definitely see it. There's an advert. I'm trying to even think what it was for. They were talking about cycling and they had, they have like different, different people kind of flashing by. And so like, you've got like a, they had, um, people on a road bike out like riding and, you know, they said, you know, come to race, you know, go, if you, if you want to train or you want to go fast. And then they had like, had a clip of this guy like flying through like on a mountain bike. Um, and it, it was like, or just have fun. And it kind of like, for whatever reason, like the advert like stuck in my head because it kind of like, it kind of was like, oh, well, if you're serious, if you're a serious cyclist, then you should probably be on the road. You're going to want to go fast. Or if you want to just have fun and kind of like 
piddle about on your bike, then you're, you belong on the mountain bike. And I think that, you know, by, and it should be said as well that the clip of the mountain biker, like they looked like a downhill mountain biker. Like he was booking it like through wherever they were in this trail. Um, but there definitely seems to be, I think that's it. It's like recognizing that there is some sort of like elitism or, as you said, like you're kind of forced to almost pick an allegiance and stick with that. But it, it really doesn't have to be the case. No, it doesn't. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. <sighs> I might just put a downer on your Wednesday night. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I feel like um, the, the, the cycling, um, there are really incredibly talented uh, and kind and wonderful people that work in the cycling industry, and I, you know, the individuals that that make it up are are just really great to work with. Um, mm-hmm. But it just it just seems to me that that the um, momentum sometimes as a whole uh, can go in the wrong direction. That's what's unfortunate about it. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, um, so if you go to Cyclofem website, the, it says on here as well, you know, the idea is simple each year in Mother's Day, U.S. Mother's Day, which is good to note because it's vastly different from the U.K. Mother's Day, which is around Easter time, um, which I always forget now that I live in the States and I don't have uh, the cards of the grocery store reminding me that Mother's Day is approaching, but <laughs> um, so each day in Mother, or each year in Mother's Day, um, self-led bike rides so how can people get involved and and if they want to you know put a ride on in their area and um, do they have to put a ride on or, or how do you how do you kind of tie everyone together so the we're we're adding these features to the website in the next week or two but there is a registration form and uh, we also have tools for putting rides together so you can go on the website and download the the tool packet, which is has you know postcards and a poster and um, just some good general basic practices for planning a, a ride. Mm-hmm. And then you register the ride on the website, which is a way of us kind of keeping track and you know helping to promote those rides. Um, and then also to be that hub and that global connector of of women because. You know, we've had rides in over 40 countries, and it's it's just every year, you know, we have these incredible rides that pop up in the most obscure places, and we always wonder, how did you, how did you hear about us? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's a, such an incredible feeling. Um, so so that, that will all be uh, pulled together in the next couple weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, that's got to be, that's got to be really kind of, rewarding seeing that just like what outreach you actually are getting with that with this movement you know like seeing it happening all over the world and and so do you you put on one in do you participate in one in boulder then are you are you still based in boulder i'm still in boulder yes and i i typically do a ride in boulder i have gone to rides in a couple different places it's um you know it's kind of i'm kind of touring you know it's great to experience it with my community but i get so I get so sucked into social media on the day because there's all these women all over the world that are riding bikes and hashtags and cycle them. And it's just yeah, what you want to, you know, I, I'm just like, so I get so excited about it, but um, it's, it's, it's just, 
yeah, it's wonderful. It's a great thing to be a part of. That's awesome. So you mentioned before about, um, so you also have a company called Girl Bike Love, which started, as you said, in 2010. Um, and then you mentioned at the beginning that, you know, it's kind of time for time for that to grow up a bit, um, which is where Brazenly evolved from. So um, first of all, like, tell us why you began or tell us a little bit about Girl Bike Love. Um, and then what we can kind of expect from okay. Brazenly. Sure. So Girl Bike Love um, has been a, um, you know, when I, when I started Girl Bike Love, there were very few places where women could go and learn about bikes that was specifically meant to, to speak to them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's not that, that riding bikes is that much different for a woman as it is for a man. It's just that the the conversation was so male dominated for a long time that it that it, it could be um, a little bit harder for a woman to adopt. So um, that's when Girl Bike Love started, and we did a lot of gear reviews. We did a lot of um, did a lot of advocacy work, um, working with different organizations, different cycling organizations to get more women riding bikes. And we would we would uh, publish articles about skills and how to buy a bike and all of those simple things. Um, and then you know also traveling. Where do you want to ride and, mm -hmm. and where do you want to go? Um, so that's that's been girl bike love. And then as cyclotron started to take off, it felt like at the same time women's cycling was growing so substantially that. Um, that women were getting more incorporated into the larger whole of the cycling world. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, articles in magazines and online weren't just featuring men riding, but featuring a lot of women riding and, um, you know, uh, rooting for, for female racers and, you know, just so many things started to change. And it's, it's such a, it's such a wonderful thing to see. And I'm, you know, I'm totally in the in the camp that Girl Bike Love was great for beginner women, mm -hmm. um, but I feel like at a certain point, inclusion is super important, and we didn't want to be just this separate island of riders, you know, mm -hmm. we wanted to be a, a, just a collective of riders, women and men. Um, so that that happened, and then also I felt that my personal interest has changed uh, quite a bit, and that we have a much greater opportunity to open the doors to women in the outdoors and not just cycling. Um, it's it's kind of one aspect, and I feel like getting outside is so so important for everyone. I feel like it's like a fundamental human need and right to get outside and for some um economically the bicycle can be a barrier in that and i felt like i wasn't able to reach as many people through girl bike love and so that's why we've expanded into brazen okay cool so it's not so much so there's less of a cycling focus and more of just that overall outdoor experience then is that Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And do yeah. you, 
the other thing I kind of liked about it as well was um, I really like the the change in the the name of it. Like brazenly is like a it's a very bold name. Um, like the girl bike love, you know, is awesome, and I love like seeing all the you still still see a lot of the shirts like where people are wearing the girl bike love shirts like at different events, which I kind of like. Um, Awesome. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's nice. It's like just sprinkled throughout throughout the cycling community. But um, but I think that's, it's important. I'm like hosting a retreat as well, like this um, in April. And I've, I've really just named it like as an outdoor retreat because I think that, um, like you said, like being outside and having the strength of nature and, and the great outdoors, like there's so many different activities that you can do. It doesn't have to just be cycling. And I think kind of just exposing people to that is so, is just so important. Um, and I think I said, you said that you, you have a retreat going on as well. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Is that we have a retreat in, in July. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Tell us about that. So the retreat is going to be outdoor skill based. Uh, so we have we're still um, honing in on the the exact lineup of of skills that we're going to be teaching. But we feel that um, it's it's such an amazing experience to bring women together in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times um, it's something that we don't necessarily uh, well not just women but anyone who's mm-hmm maybe not as um, not as comfortable in the outdoors and we feel like you can gain a great deal of personal strength and reliance and and um, personal uh, confidence when it comes to being outdoors if you just add a few skills in there like how to like build my fire and um, you know maybe tool handling and a couple other things like that that we're looking into but it's um it's in Wyoming uh, just north of Steamboat, and it's on this beautiful 500-acre ranch. Fantastic. And we'll some time in the camp. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. Um, my my uh, partner in this um, has this ranch up there. It's amazing. And so we'll spend some time in the ranch and then some time um, out uh, camping. Awesome. And how, how long is it? It's going to be four nights. Four nights. Five cool. days, four nights. Perfect. Um, and is it is it like for men and women or or mostly women? This is specifically geared towards women. Um, you know, I feel like it's kind of important to. I think of women as being change makers, as being the the, the hubs of of their communities. And the more women that we can get engaged in the outdoors and um, interested, and women that. Um, encourage them to find compassion for the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to have uh, many more stewards and, and uh, community leaders to, to take everyone outside. Yeah. And what are the common, I mean, in talking to people about the retreat and, and also just kind of encouraging people to, to get outdoors and, and kind of take a, a step out of their comfort zone. Um, what have you found are the biggest challenges in not like convincing people to get out, but just really just like encouraging them to give it a try? Or have you found people to be very receptive to it? I find so far that generally a lot of people recognize that, that getting outside makes them feel better. They might not know why or how it's 
you know, totally connected and they might not feel necessarily, um, I, I really think the biggest part is setting aside the time and yeah. for people to recognize that it's valuable enough to actually put it in their schedule. Right. That's, yeah. I can't even, I find that difficult to sometimes like to put into words or to verbalize, like just take how important taking that time, like whether it is like a day, a weekend, an hour, like just investing that time in an outdoor experience for you, like how beneficial that can be to the rest of your life and, you know, to art, to, to other avenues in your life. I think it's, it's really important. Um, but yeah, I found, I found it like, that's one thing. And I don't know if it's just geographically, like maybe, um, you know, Boulder has such a, a good, or it's such a big outdoor community already, but that's one thing certainly in Las Vegas that um, I feel that has been a little challenging is is encouraging people to um, to to go camping um, and to and to invest in that that time outside for themselves. Do you think as well it's it's harder? Do you think it's easier or harder with social media now um, to get people to get out and experience things? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because the, you know, social media is, um, it's such a great opportunity to, to share our experiences and to show photos and to get, you know, basically um, give people FOMO, fear of missing out, right? So right. So they want to go and play outside too. Right. Um, so it's an, but it's also at the same time, it's, it's kind of this. I feel like there's a certain amount of a barrier that we've created because of it, which is it's more of a time suck. It's so we have less time to spend outside and, um, you know, people tend to um, rate their outdoor experience by the posts that they're able to put together from it, you know, and so that's, right. that's, those things are kind of unfortunate. So it's like, a, it's like a kind of a double-edged sword, you know? Um, yeah. Cause I think as well, like, I mean, it's, there's one thing certainly as you say like it's it's so awesome to be able to see we have like a lot more access to information so we we get to like see pictures of these incredible places that we you know previously may never have seen or or even heard of um however then i think i think it's very easy then for people to be like oh well i've you know i've seen that because i saw a picture of it but it's just there's just something about experiencing something like for yourself in the flesh, in the great outdoors that is just that you just can't, you know, money can't buy. You know, you can't you can't replace that. Um and I do sometimes feel like it's harder and harder these days to to convince people of that because you know, as social media kind of keeps like kind of creeping in and it kind of um and just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but yeah, it definitely seems to be a little bit of a challenge, that's for sure. Well, I think that, and I also think that, that there's a, um, so many people in the outdoors that are, you know, using social media to create kind of these unrealistic portrayals of the outdoors mm. and unrealistic portrayals of, you know, what you need to be able to get out there, what 
what you look like when you're out there. You know, mm-hmm. you see, you see people that are um, running in the outdoors and they definitely just took a shower. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. super clean and, and manicured and, you know, it, it's just, so in some ways, there's this unrealistic idea of what it actually means. And so um, I, that's one of the things that I, I hope we can uh, tackle with Brazenly is to, to make the outdoors feel more inclusive and to, you know, kind of go back and kind of fight for that, that thing that I mentioned that we believe in, which is that it's a, the outdoors, being outdoors is a fundamental need and right for every human. And um you know, it's, I don't know if you uh, follow outdoor social media as much as cycling, but there's, there's a really big discussion about um, people of color in the outdoors and um, how, how uninclusive uh, the industry and, and many different organizations have been. Hmm. And it's, um, it's, a, it's such an interesting uh it's such an interesting story to follow, and I, I hope that we can help to nudge that in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, what do you, I mean, to to make it, you know, as you say, like a more inclusive environment, I mean, what, what are things that we can kind of do just to make sure that we are still, we still do have that outreach to, to anyone and everyone? Do you think it starts with just like, you know, like the more realistic posts, you know, like the the kind of more raw and rugged um, content that we were able to get in the outside and in the outdoors, or, or where do you think we can, where do you think we, where do you think we can, it all starts, I guess. I mean, I think it, it starts by having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't, I can't even begin to, to say that I have the answers. I definitely feel like telling a, a truer story, um, a more authentic story is, is beneficial. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, that, you know, if we want to, you know, if we, if we want more people to fight for the environment and for the national park mm-hmm. and for national monuments and outdoor space, then we have to have more people enjoying them. And that's like a, that's a totally selfish way to go about this, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very legitimate argument. And yeah, the only way that we're going to do that is to engage every single person. Yeah. Know? So it, it's absolutely that. I mean, I like mean, I just, of course, not the only reason, but that's like a, that's a, a very, I think, important um, direction to take. Absolutely. I just uh, uh, read the latest um, backpacker magazine Um which basically was kind of just just saying that, you know, like um, it's kind of a a bittersweet issue, and I would encourage everyone to go out and get the issue. Um, but basically, you know, was talking about the best way for us to to show like to show our our love for the you know like places like Bears Ears um, is to get out and be on the trails, you know, like to show to show their value to show their like what they mean to us as a society as a nation um you know the people that are are enjoying it um but the the issue also was covering um a, a whole a whole bunch of places like literally they were to go and see before you will never be able to see them again 
So whether that was, and the majority of these places were, um, were really being affected, um, like by climate change. So whether that was, um, you know, glacier up in Alaska, which is like receded, um, an incredible amount just over the past like 50 years to, uh, changing environments, I think up in Vermont and, um, and even in California where, you know, the lack of, um, the changing temperatures are, are changing what kind of animals and critters are in that environment and then changing how the entire, um, that ent entire area looks, you know, they talk about white bark pines, you know, the only place to see them now is in around like mammoth lakes. Um, uh, whereas they used to be all the way up and down the, the countryside. So it's kind of scary that, um, it's, it's really scary. And I think people don't, I think people hear about climate change and they hear about like the importance of, um, you know, of supporting a, a more sustainable culture and environment, but, um, I don't think they really get it. You know, like, I think there's a population of people that do get it, but I don't think, I don't think, I think that's going to take people getting out and experiencing it to actually see the full impact that, that, you know, our environment has, um, is having. I, I totally agree with you. So I know that, uh, you have various projects in the work right now. Do you have any plans this year to, to have a second attempt at the, that summer of camping or, or what do you feel about that now? I, I think I, I don't think that I'll take the whole summer on, but I, I definitely have several trips already planned and, um, I think that what I what I'd really like to do more than anything else is dedicate at least one night to sleeping outside, and uh, my plan is to invite uh, the whole world to do that with me. So awesome, awesome! And so when you're out camping, what tell us like what's your setup like? Are you um, just in the tent? Do you like to hammock it up? Do you have a car a <laughs> camper or? Uh, a uh, rooftop tent or what, what, what's your, what's your ideal setup for these little adventures? Well, I, I have a couple different setups. Um, I have, you know, my backpacking setup. So sometimes just, you know, taking a walk and, and setting up the tent in a good spot uh, and sleeping outside. I do like to sleep in the summer in the desert, um, just on the ground without a tent. Mm. And I also have a platform in the back of my truck. So for those those cold or wet or, you know, unreasonable nights, I guess I would call them. Mm -hmm. um, I like to sleep in the back of that. So I, I, you know, there's some, there's some options there. Yeah. Awesome. So I won't take up too much more of your time this evening. <laughs> Um, I know, I know you're busy, but, um, do you have anything else you'd like to finish up with or any advice? Um, I, I would just like to say, say thank you for, thank you for, uh, doing what you're doing. And, um, I think that, that the way that we encourage more people to enjoy the outdoors and to be healthier and, uh, get out on bikes is just by doing exactly what you're doing. And, um, it's, I just, I, I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. So you. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you talking to me as well. I just I think it's 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 fun to reach out and and have these conversations and talk to people who um not only are are like-minded but just passionate about about their message and I think that I think 
that you kind of hit the nail on the head with that for sure. Um, if people want to get, hear more about the retreat, where can they find out more details for that? So the website is brazenly, B-R-A-Z-E-N-L-Y dot C-O. Okay. And there's the, the details for the retreat will be on there. Yes. Awesome. It'll, it'll be up to the next couple days. Perfect. Cool. So by the time this comes out, it should be up. <laughs> yep. That sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me this evening. And um, maybe we can, maybe our paths will, will cross somewhere in the great outdoors, hopefully this year. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Okay. Thanks, Sarai. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again to Sarai for being part of this Dirt Life journey. Uh, join us next time for more interviews and going ons with influential and inspiring people. Uh, in the meantime, stay dirty, my friends. <laughs>